Wow, what a song. Good morning. You know, I don't have much time up here, so I'm going to get right into it. We're going to go ahead and uh, continue our focus on prayer, and uh, we'll be talking about the weapons we use. You know, this past Wednesday, I was uh, at the gym, and I'm 44 now, so I'm, I'm well aware of the fact that I can hurt myself. So I don't do anything fancy at the gym these days. I get on the elliptical, try to keep my belly down as best as I can, and that's the extent of it. But as I was uh, getting ready for that 40-minute run of the elliptical, I thought, let me grab a magazine. Maybe I can try to read as I do that. And uh, this was the magazine that actually caught my attention. It's actually a... Uh, December 2018 issue of Time Magazine. And I don't know if you can read it from where you're at, but the caption, this is what it says. It says, the world moves on and you don't. And it describes the article in the, found in the magazine by saying, parents who lost a child in school shooting on the pain that never ends. And very quickly, as I grabbed that magazine, I was reminded of the fact that, you know what? We're all broken people, living in a broken world. And unfortunately, school shootings is actually one of the many products of our sins and brokenness that leave a tremendous amount of pain and devastation. And I'm sure you'll agree with me, when you think about that, there's no way that we can impact that in our, on our own. And what's needed is solution of a supernatural magnitude. And that's where prayer comes in. I want to go ahead and read a passage that Mark read up there, a couple verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Here it says, of course we are human, but we don't fight like humans. The weapons we use in our fight are not made by humans. Rather, they are powerful weapons from God. Indeed, prayer is definitely one of those weapons in our spiritual arsenal. There's no way we can penetrate, impact, or do anything about our sins and our brokenness without God's help. You know, and I often think, and, and very much like you, I pray for the governments around the world. I pray for the mental health professionals, praying that, you know what, yes, solutions can be found, but we know the truth. Like, there's no level of human sophistication or strategy that would impact what we deal with in our world. In Ephesians chapter 6, the great passage about spiritual warfare, Paul highlights the need for prayer. And this is what it says in verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, Words may be given me so that I will fearlessly 
make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And we don't need to turn there, but James chapter 5 explained to us that prayer ought to be powerful and effective. So I ask you this morning, how's your prayer life? Just because you have a weapon doesn't mean you necessarily know how to use it. You know, even the disciples in Luke chapter 11, the disciples in the the Bible, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, even they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. They saw him do a number of things as they were with him. They saw him heal the sick. They saw him even raise the dead. But this is the only instance in Scripture where they asked him to teach them something. I think that's significant. Because just because we have a tool, we have a weapon, we, we, we know this is the tool, do we know how to use it? So this morning, what I want to do here is to share three practicals on how we are to pray as we engage in this battle against prayer. Okay? You with me? All right. So the first, the first thing here, and these are things that my wife Shara and I have been learning over the last couple of years. They're not new necessarily, but really God has allowed us to experience certain things in our life where we realize, wow, this is, these are rather golden nuggets in the scriptures when it comes to prayer. And the first thing is we have to pray specifically. You know, we tend to babble when we pray, don't we? And a lot of that sometimes, maybe it came from somewhere in our lives, somebody overly emphasized the length of prayer. And if you're like me, you grew up religious, you try to fill your prayer time with some religious words, and you try to go as long as you can. And again, we focus on the length and not the strength of our prayers. And I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7. He says, and when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You know, God already knows what you need before you even start praying, before you get on your knees. He knows what you need. There's no need for you and I to catch him up on the affairs of our lives. He's been there all along. He knows. We don't need to spend the time doing that. Instead, we ought to be like Jesus and be direct and specific as we talk to God. So how's your prayer life? Jesus approached the Father as one who already knew what was happening, as one who already knew what was happening, and therefore was very direct and specific. We know he prayed all night during one point of his life because the Scriptures has that recorded. But I, I, I don't think he did that because he was babbling. I think he had things to pray about, and he was being direct still. In John chapter 11 and verse 41, we find a two-sentence prayer that Jesus uttered before raising Lazarus from the dead. 
And again, I'm trying to help you understand here, there's no need for us to babble and go on and on. We can be direct and specific with God. You know, in Luke chapter 18, I love this passage of Scripture. You know, blind man comes up to Jesus with, all, with flattering words. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus looks at the man and says, what do you want me to do for you? It's like Jesus, he's blind. He wants you to, to make him see again. Jesus knew that, but I think he wanted the man to actually verbalize what his need was. Because when we're specific in our prayers, then we give God an opportunity to work in our lives, and we know it's him working, and it's not our doing. So don't babble. Pray specifically. Secondly, we need to pray continually. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Put a little pepper in this for you. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, you know, we read here, Paul says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, a lot of time we lose steam in our effort to develop a meaningful prayer life because we get burned out and trying to fill one prayer session with everything we know. You know, that morning prayer, we're thinking about every aspect of our lives and feel like this is the only time we can pray, and so we're going to fill it up with everything. And enough of that get us to a point where, where prayer becomes burdensome. And yet we see what the Bible teaches about Jesus, that he was a man who would oftentimes withdraw, withdraw from the crowd, and he would go to a place where he prayed. So the goal of prayer is for us to be able to pray often, not so much, hey, make sure we do it all in one sitting. There's evidence in the Bible that those who have the most spiritual impact, that there were men and women who prayed at least three times a day. It's clearly in Scripture. I'm sure if I mention some names to you, you'll think about places in the Bible where you know that these men prayed three times a day. You think about Daniel. The Bible teaches that Daniel prayed three times a day. Even to the point where when the king laid out a law that people were not to pray, Daniel said, hey, this is what I do. I pray regularly. And so he was praying and was arrested because of it. We know as well that David, you know, in the Psalms, he talks about how he prays in the morning, midday, and at night as well. Peter also, we see Peter in the books of Acts praying three times a day. Men and women who had spiritual impact in their lives, they prayed often, regularly throughout the day. And really, that's what we're called to do, to pray continually. So let me ask you. When it comes to prayer, do you usually get to a point where you're skimpy on your prayers? Or are you trying to pray regularly like the Bible teaches us to? 
You know, we need to be men and women who imitate the heroes of the Bible and start by praying three times a day at least. You know, this is a challenge that uh, Mark actually put before us as staff in the, uh, in, in the uh, southwest region, really calling us to, hey, let's be men and women who pray regularly throughout the day. And he said, you know, let's start with at least praying three times, making sure we're praying at least three times a day. It has radicalized my life. And I tell you what, and you're pro- if you're like me, in other words, if you're human, <laughs> right? There's, you know, you, you accumulate a level of anxiety just through things going on in the day. But why wait till tomorrow's prayer time to pray about it? Pray now. You know, oftentimes as you're in fellowship, you're talking with brothers and sisters, they make requests. They say, hey, look, pray for me about this. But why wait for that morning prayer, which may not happen even? Why wait then? Stop there and now and pray with them. But being men and women that, who pray regularly and throughout the day, don't wait till later, but let's pray together. You know, one of the things I appreciate about what uh, Mark shared up here about is this idea of, you know, in our relationships with one another in the church, I do believe prayer ought to be the central characteristic that defines our relationship. That as we get together, yes, let's continue to advise and counsel one another, but you know what? Let's make sure that we understand where the power comes from. And that as we do that, but centrally, what we're doing is helping one another to go to our Father in heaven in prayer and not necessarily relying on our own strategies and our own humanistic efforts to be able to fix and help one another. So let's be men and women who pray continually, not skimp on those prayers. You know, third and lastly, we, as we engage in this battle, we need to pray boldly. Let me say it again. We need to be men and women who pray boldly. You know, the Christian faith is such that we believe that when we are praying, we are communicating with the creator of the universe. The being who created everything you and I see, everything we can touch, taste, and feel. And that he created all that from nothing. So if in fact that is true, that we are communicating with the creator of the universe, why are we praying wimpy prayers? Why do we shy away from asking God for exactly what we want? You know, in John 14 and verse 13 and 14, this is what it says. It says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Those are the words of Jesus. And if that's not an invitation to pray boldly, I don't know what is. He said, whatever, you can pray anything in my name, I will do it. Certainly, you know, it's a life journey to learn how to pray in the will of God. But still, but God calls us and Jesus invites us to pray boldly. You know, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, look what it says. 
It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And again, God wants us to approach him with boldness and confidence. This is what the scriptures teach us. This is what Jesus exemplified. This is what God calls us to do. You know, there's a number of uh, prayers that God has answered in my life, and, and I should say in Sean and I's lives in the last couple years, that really helps me to see that God really wants me to come to him with boldness. You know, Shaw got baptized in 1989. And if you do the math quickly, you know that she's been a disciple now for about 20 years. I'm sorry. You know, she was baptized in, in 1998. <laughs> so if you did the math, you realize I told you the wrong year. And I just want to make sure you guys are awake here. But she was baptized in 1998. And uh, one of the prayers that she started praying very early on in her walk is for her mother and her father to become Christians. And uh, over the 20 years, and actually last year, the 19 years, she had gotten to a point where, you know, she had definitely approached her mom about coming to church and studying the Bible. And uh, mom came out to church many times. Uh, but for whatever reason, she wasn't ready yet to study the Bible and to really uh, look into, well, what is God calling her to? And so last year, as Mark mentioned, we were engaged in the Southwest region in a year where we dedicated the year to prayer. And one of the sermons that he preached last year was, you know what? We need to pull out that list of impossible prayers again. And really start praying with boldness and be specific and ask God for what we desire. And uh, I remember Shara, after that sermon, decided, you know what? I need to start praying again for my mom to become a disciple. And she even took it a little further and got real bold with it. She said, so then she can become a disciple this year. And uh, as soon as we got home, she had it typed up, and it was placed in the mirror in our bathroom very clearly. And not only was she praying, and I started praying. Our two daughters started praying. We started praying for mom. And uh, to make a long story short, as I'm noticing that I have a minute up here, Last year in October, uh, I think the 22nd of October, my mother-in-law was baptized into Christ. And next month, she's getting ready to celebrate one year in the Lord. You know, I... I don't think I can do the story justice because Shara, when she tells it, she talks about the faithlessness that she was experiencing at the time and just feeling like, well, maybe this will never happen. And after hearing God's word preached and understand that God's calling her to be a woman of boldness, not one who shies away from really asking God to do the things that he's placed on her heart. And as she did that, we're both been amazed just how God worked. And of course, he had been priming my mother-in-law's heart, and he had been working with her, but I do believe he heard 
Shara's prayer, and he blessed her boldness. So this morning, as I conclude here, before we pray, as we uh, move into taking the communion together, you know, Jesus died so that you and I can have this intimate connection with God. That's the ultimate price that he paid for you and I to be able to pray and connect with God on this level. And so as we get ready to do that, to pray and take the communion together, you know, I want to encourage you, be a man or a woman who's resolved to pray continually and in your prayer to be specific and to be bold. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer.